Welcome in, everybody, to the West Side Sports Podcast. It is March 10th, 2023. As always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. Welcome in to today's podcast. Hope you guys are having a fantastic, feel-good Friday. It is a Mariners Friday. It is an exciting week for Seahawks for a Blue Friday. We're going to get into everything Seattle sports-wise today. That's going to be later on in today's podcast. First off, I just wanted right out, right out of today's gate, excuse me, I want to thank everybody who has either listened to any podcast, who is an active listener, who you know can't wait for the next podcast. I just want to say thank you to every single person for listening to these podcasts. It means the world to me. Um, this has been a project that I started last year when I uh, needed to really speak my mind on a couple things, and I found this is a great uh, avenue and a way to do that. So I just want a brief uh, moment and just take a brief second and say just simply thank you. It is uh, easier to say and uh, harder to just really wrap it up into words more than a thank you, but a simple thank you goes a long long way in this current world, so I just want to start off with that. To begin with, I'm going to give a heads up ahead of time. I have a subject on today's podcast on Around the World. It's going to be a big the big chunk of Around the World actually today. It might have a little bit of, co- of colorful language, so um, if you have any children around, uh, no, no F-bombs, nothing overly vulgar, but uh, there will be a little bit of language today because I need to get something off my chest. I need to express exactly how I feel on something, and we were going to get there very quickly. Around the world is usually our opening segment, and as usually today, we'll start off with the program. Lamar Jackson got the non-exclusive tag from the Baltimore Ravens, which means he is free and available to talk to any teams who are interested in doing so. There is a huge conversation going around the NFL right now that collusion is happening between owners. Big shocker. The owners talk to each other, sometimes on conversations and topics they're not supposed to talk about, but they do it anyways. Lamar Jackson is an incredibly talented quarterback. We all know the facts. Lamar Jackson can run like Michael Vick. His throwing stuff or his throwing ability, it's good. Some people play it down as uh, below average or below par. That's not accurate. He can throw the ball. The problem is he's been in a system in Baltimore where they just want to play him like San Francisco has used Debo Samuel running him into the ground. That's a fact, right? Um, if there's any people that listen to this or any uh, listeners that are Baltimore Ravens fans, please reach out to me on my Twitter handle, capital P-N-W, and then it's Professor, uh, not all caps. It, it is, um, there's a difference there. But I, I'm just curious as to how the people in Baltimore feel about this because Lamar Jackson has been on this contract extension rampage, if you want to call it that. Uh, the talks have gone on for over two years now between Jackson's camp and, and the Baltimore Ravens. The main sticking point of this conversation, obviously, is the one and only disgusting Deshaun Watson. Sorry, Cleveland Browns fans, my buddy John. Love you guys to pieces. But Deshaun Watson really threw a big old wrench into this whole problem, into how the NFL associates contracts. AAV value, which means an average earnings per calendar year, the you know the more analytics, blah blah blah. Right, I'm not trying to do an analytics segment here today, but it's a fact that Lamar Jackson is going to play football next year. He has to. He's too. He's, he's too smart. I think he's half smart, half stupid. If you ask me, I'll, and I'll explain that here in a minute. But he's going to play somewhere. And I talked about the collusion between owners. It's the fact that the moment 
literally less than 10 minutes after that tag was officially placed on him via the NFL Players Association, NFLPA. The teams such as the Falcons, the Buccaneers, the Titans, uh, a handful of other teams that do need quarterbacks, right? Raiders. They're like, nope, not doing it. Won't do it. Doesn't make any sense. Two first-round picks for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, I believe, is 27 years old. He hasn't even entered the prime of his career yet. And people are immediately saying, nope, he's not worth it. Not paying him. Not setting the, not setting the precipice that he's looking for. What he's looking for, rumor has it on the street, he wants a huge, fully guaranteed contract, just like, hmm, Deshaun Watson. Baltimore, you're in a sticky situation here. Because, let's say you trade him, hypothetically, to the Raiders. Because I don't think he's going to go to the Jets. I don't think he goes to any other uh, any other teams. Atlanta, I think, could be really interesting. But if we're going to just keep it 100 here. Keep it a buck and keep it real and truthful. The only reason why the Atlanta Falcons were even included in this conversation is because they've sucked god-awfully for years on end. And they haven't had a feasible quarterback. Granted, they've had Matt Ryan. No disrespect to Matt Ryan. But Matt Ryan is not loved the same way as Michael Vick is, right? Michael Vick, the cover of Madden. Michael Vick, the face of the league for, for a few years, obviously prior to his dog scandal, dog fighting scandal. But the Atlanta Falcons have a young rising wide receiver in Drake London. They have Kyle Pitts. They have a solid running game in Cordell Patterson. I, excuse me, I do not, uh, Tyler Algier is the name I was thinking of. They have a legit running game. I believe top 15, top 12 running game, all of football. Uh, Marcus Mariota didn't do a lot. They drafted Desmond Ritter. So I would understand they want to say we need to see what, what they have in, De in Desmond Ritter. But Desmond Ritter shouldn't block you from the conversation of getting Lamar Jackson. Because we've seen the value of Lamar Hunt, or I'm not, of uh, Lamar Huntley, of Tyler Huntley, excuse me. Because Lamar Jackson cannot stay healthy. Uh, he had issues or he had yeah, injury issues last season. He gets sick like three, four times a season. Blah, blah, blah. So. Now, the reason why I say Lamar is half smart, half stupid is because Lamar Jackson should have taken the deal that Baltimore gave you. You should have. And I know it's easy to say as a non-athlete or as a non-active participant, you know, guys like Michael Bumpus on the Bump and Stacey show who um, they not validate, but they want to see their buddies, their players, their fellow teammates, other athletes get paid well for what they do. And uh, excuse me, I'm having a little bit of technical stuff, but we're, we're getting through it. And I'm going to wrap this up here real quick before we get into the real meat and, you know, meat and taters of today's eight of the uh, around the world segment here. Excuse me. Lamar Jackson, if Baltimore offers you $150 million fully guaranteed dollars, if you don't take that deal, you're stupid. I'm just going to say it flat out. You're dumb. You're not going to get more money than that from any other team in football. Because if they give more money than that, and granted Derek Carr got $100 million guaranteed, Geno Smith got about $60 million guaranteed, blah, 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 whatever, right? And they're in a different tier level than Lamar Jackson is. So, Lamar, for the for the fans who have rooted for you, for the organization that drafted you and gave you this opportunity to grow into the player and the icon, the image that you have created, do your team a favor and just get back to the drawing board and figure this out. Because you're blocking their draft strategy, you're blocking the free agent ability, everything. They're in a complete standstill over the most important position in all of professional sports, being the quarterback itself. Okay, that is the Lamar Jackson conversation. Let's get into this, okay? I have been very vocal. A lot of people have asked me what my, where my opinion on the Ja Morant stuff comes from. 
and I'm going to do my best to keep this as short and as sweet as possible. Ladies, gentlemen, children of all ages who listen to, to, to this podcast, when we were raised as children, we were told that firearms are dangerous. No, this is not a firearm podcast. I have a point behind this. Bear with me here. John Morant, there is clear, indisputable evidence that Lamar, or excuse me, Lamar, excuse me, <laughs> John Morant pulled out that gun in that nightclub. That happened. His team can say whatever the hell they want. Memphis Grizzlies fans, if you disagree with this, you're delusional. I'm just going to call a spade a spade, a club a club, and a diamond a diamond. Okay? This is the facts. These are the bare fundamental things you need to know about John Morant. He screwed up. He screwed the pooch, as the old saying goes. And because he's got more money than God himself, he's able to save his ass, pardon my French, by giving people money to shut people up and tell people specifically and this is a growing issue in all of sports athletes who are entertainers and better yet are people people a they are a human being with emotions and likes and dislikes and everything else obviously right John man what the hell were you thinking how st- how stupid are you you picked a fight with a security officer, or a security guard, a mall cop. You beat up a 17-year-old kid in a mall, and you start waving a gun around. Memphis Grizzlies organization. If somehow you find this podcast, please take one thing away from this. Please, you have an organization that has earned a lot of respect for playing hard gritty fundamental basketball and have respectable players like Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay? Dylan Brooks can't keep his mouth shut. You wonder who he got it from? Ja Morant. Is that throwing a stone? Hoping it hits the other side of a wall? Sure. But you have two players. Two players who cannot keep their mouths shut, keep their faces out of a club. (laughs) I used to love the NBA. Love the NBA. I was a huge Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, Sean Marion, Dirk Nowinski, Kevin Garnett, Tim Duncan, the, the, the list goes on, right? I used to love the NBA. You know why I don't like it anymore? Because of bullshit like this. My dad, my father, said something to me. And I didn't understand why he was saying it when he said it. And I get it now. My dad goes, son, you know why I don't like basketball anymore? Why is that, dad? Because NBA turned into a bunch of gangbangers who know nothing but bad things on and off the court. How many good things do you see versus bad things? At the time, this is when like Allen Iverson was showing up in, you know, quad or triple or for him probably double XL because he's like 140 pounds dripping with sandbags. He's showing up in a double XL shirt, baggy pants, and that are falling off his butt and all this crap, right? And I'm not trying to slander the NBA. That's not my point here. The point is, we need more people who do good off the court than you do on the court. You know what I'm saying? Look at what, like, I'm not a LeBron James fan. Nothing personal. Just don't like his brand. Don't like the image. He's a respectable player, obviously. He's on the Mount Rushmore of, of the NBA, obviously, right? Can't take away accomplishments and, and achievements and uh, his stats. Like, they speak for themselves. But... John Morant, you are showing what is acceptable to the next generation of athletes that are come after you. You know what people are going to remember, John Morant, if you fizzle out in Memphis? 
You used to jump high and you pulled a gun out in a club like a moron. So please, John, I know you're taking some personal time away. I guarantee you'll never listen to two of this podcast, and that's fine. But let this be a list. Let this be a soundboard for people who listen to this podcast, which again, thank you, that I pride myself on looking at athletes who are genuinely good people, who do good things for the world. And can we please get some more of that versus guys showing up and being a gangbanger in a goddamn club, please? And I'm going to leave that there. Obviously, as I talked about, John Morant signed, or excuse me, John Morant. Wow, my brain is clearly hardwired differently today. Sorry about that. Derek Carr, he signed his deal. Yes, Gino signed his deal. Don't worry. We're going to get into all of that. The last thing I'm going to leave you guys with for around the world today, and this is going to be about 15 minutes by the time I'm done with this. Might be a little bit later here. New York Giants, I don't know what I'm supposed to say to you. To the fans, to the Max Kellermans of the world, right? You paid $160 million for Daniel Dimes Jones. Danny Dimes, $160 million with another 35 in incentives? You're talking $200 million for Daniel Jones. You've got to be kidding me. Are they that desperate? Does Dave Gettleman really not get it? He hasn't. He's never gotten it. They drafted Kadarius Tony in the first round. They drafted Daniel Jones in the top 10, losing on Patrick Mahomes. What in the holy trinity of goodness graciousness is happening in New York? Honestly, the Jets want Aaron Rodgers. They're desperate because they wanted Derek Carr. And Derek Carr says, uh, nah, I'm good. Good. I'm good. They got Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson burning a, there's a video that came out late, late, late last night of them burning a cheese head to try and court Aaron Rodgers to play for them. You know, there's a song by Jay-Z called New York State of Mind. I'm curious. What is your state of mind? Panic? Terrified? Ambitious? I'm curious as to what's appropriate. Because for me, this seems a little thirsty. If you catch my drift. The Giants, you got fleeced. You panicked. You legit panicked and said, What are we going to do? Who are we going to bring in Carson Wentz? Hope not because he sucks. What are we going to do? Hope we bring in Nick, Went- uh, Nick Foles? Nope, because he sucks. Uh, we bring in uh, Derek Carr? Nope, he don't want you. Oh, that means all we have left is to hope we can court the infamous Aaron Rodgers to save us. You know what Aaron Rodgers is going to do? He's going to do nothing. Nothing. You'll probably win nine games. You'll lose in the opening round of the playoffs like he's done the last I don't know how many years because Aaron's overrated. The Jets needed a quarterback that is not, I mean, I would rather stay with Mike friggin' White. Mike White over Zach Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. You think Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers in the same quarterback room are going to work? I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear these conversations because this stuff's jank. Okay, that's around the world. We're on to the next section. Mariners, let's get the elephant out of the room. The Jared Kellenic hype continues. Yes, he had RBI double today. Yes, let me check real quick. Last time I checked, it was 4-1 to one Mariners. And make sure I'm not missing anything real quick. Excuse for the filler. 4-2. to two. Not bad. Respectable. And I'm trying to get a box score because it looks like... Oh, look at that. Jared Kelnick. Two at-bats. Two doubles for Jared Kelnick today. Beautiful. Okay. 
I have to go on the record and say that I have been very harsh on Jared Kelnick for good reason, because Jared was a petulant child for the for most of his time here in Seattle. That has drastically changed. There is not a, there is not one player that is being talked about more on Seattle Sports Station for the Mariners than one Jared Kelnick. If I had his middle name, I'd give it to you, but I'm not that much of a creep. Um... He leads all batters in home runs in spring training still, as far as I checked. He had four. I don't know if that's changed. Apologies. I rewrote this podcast up a couple days ago. I'm late to record this. I need to see you, Jared, perform like this at the major league level so I can believe I have a Jared Kelnick jersey. God bless my best friend, Travis, for buying me the jersey, the same person who bought me Julio. I am incredibly fortunate to have great friends that recognize that we love players and to support. And some people will say supporting a player doesn't mean you wear the jersey on 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 your back. I strongly disagree. That's a different conversation for a different day. Appreciate you, Traff. Um, yes, his last home run came off of Devin Williams. Yes, it was 446 feet. Yes, it was the longest of his professional career. And yes, it was in spring training. Right, Jared Kelnick, by far undisputed, is the number one player that changed the course and the tenor of this team. If Jared Kelnick can hit 240, hit your 20-25 bombs, walk rate right around 9-ish percent, 8 to 10 percent. If we could get 10, I'd be very, very happy. Keep the strikeout rate below 25. 25 would be great. I think league average last year was 23 and a quarter, 23 and a half. So, Jared, we believe, we love to see the Jared Kelnick hype continue. Yes, it's Cincinnati. Cincinnati is not going to be any good this year. No disrespect to to, to Cincinnati Reds. Really appreciate us getting uh, Eugenio Suarez and Luis Castillo. That's awesome. But we need to see, like, people are just saying, why can't you just believe in the kid? I have believed in this kid for the 496 plate appearances he's had in the major league level. So take the conversation and flush it down down your, your drain, your toilet. Go down the pipes. I don't care. As long as it's not a flushable wet wipe, because that'll clog up your sewage stuff in your yard, whatever it is. Anyways, <laughs> I'm on one today. We talked about Jared. Let's talk about Bryce Miller. Bryce Miller, woo-wee. This guy or gives me such a strong Spencer Strider vibes. Kind of like Spencer Strider, like Dustin May. Dustin May is a starting pitcher for the Dodgers, who's coming off of Tommy John. Wicked stuff. Five-pitch mix. Throws over 100. Got a good sinker, curveball, slider change. Um... This is going to be a conversation that we have to continue on later because Marco Gonzalez is pitching very well. Back-to-back outings of three innings pitched, no earned runs. Chris Flexen, back-to-back innings of three and two-thirds innings pitched, no runs. Bryce Miller, fun fact for, for you guys here. If I can get my page to turn here, excuse me. He has in, uh, stat, last inning, or excuse me, the last outing he did, three innings pitched, four strikeouts, no earned runs. He is averaging a 6-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. He is dominating. He is painting the zone with 97 and 99 mile-an-hour fastballs that have a grade of 70, which if you want to know why there's a grading scale, that is the uh, average like scouting scale. It goes from 20 to 80. Diego Castillo uh, looked pretty good in his last outing, showed us a little bit of a new changeup he's been working on that he used to throw back in his Tampa Bay days. Looks good. He looks like he's trimmed up a little bit in the offseason. I'm trying to do more body reports on guys, see how how they're looking. We have a little bit of a problem here, and I'm addressing this at this point because I probably could have started this earlier to lead off the Mariners segment, but we're going to get to it now. 
Cade Marlowe had an MRI today about oblique issue he's been dealing with. Uh, something that popped up in yesterday's game. Yes, this is concerning. This will affect a solid decision that the Mariners have in front of them. You have Colin Moran. You have Cade Marlowe. Tommy LaStella. Um, like Keon Wong. Stuff like that. I think Keon makes the roster, obviously. I think he'll be a triple-A add-in. But... Uh, Cade Marlowe getting the MRI obviously is not good, and the oblique injury does worry me a fair amount. Tommy LaStella, referencing him a second ago, uh, still dealing with, with the elbow issue. It sounds like he is on the right track finally to getting some swings in the cage. He's been doing some light T work. He has not started throwing drills. They're going to keep uh, patient with him. as They got a lot of hopes for him, but I don't really see why. You know, He has positional versatility. He can play infield. He can play outfield. He hits righties well, lefties are decently. I mean, it's it's a decent it's a decent role. You know, he's trying to back up Sam Haggerty, Dylan Moore, stuff like that. And uh I've been liking what I've seen, last of all, from Cooper Hummel. Cooper Hummel. Uh been having a pretty good spring, showed us a little, little bit of power. The fact he's a switch hitter can and he can play some outfield is going to make his positional versatility that much more valuable. And with Dylan Moore, uh, literally today, just saw a video of him getting an RBI single or what it would have been an RBI single off of Andres Munoz. Granted, he shattered his bat. He's getting activities and baseball activities started, and that's what you want to see, especially for Dylan Moore is one of the most important Mariners for this season because of the time they want to give for J.P. Crawford at shortstop and for him wanting to platoon at second base with Colton Wong. Okay, and for the headlining topic of today's podcast, Seattle Seahawks signed Geno Smith. Ba-boom. Okay. The initial report, three years, 105. Really, it's three years, 75 with incentives. That's what it comes down to. 25 AAV a season. This year, he will make $28 million with the ability to make $53 million this season if he hits his incentives. This is a great deal for the franchise. This is obviously a great deal for Geno Smith. He capitalized on his opportunity. He made the most of it. The conversation, the press conference that I saw yesterday with, with Geno and John and Pete and everybody there at the VMAC, I want to explain why this story is so special. And this is probably a redundant conversation, and I apologize for that. But I want to just talk about this just for a minute, okay? When we traded Russell Wilson, I went over the draft recap and the implications and where we're sitting at now with obviously the number five overall pick, five and 20, uh, having Noah Fant, getting Charles Cross, Abe Lucas, Boye Mafe, the list goes on, right? Geno Smith, to me, is like the Nelson Cruz of the Seattle Mariners. He is so respectable. He is so well-spoken. He puts the team first. When he said... I wanted to get a deal that was fair for me and better yet fair for this organization so we can continue to build for the for the foreseeable future to make this team the best it can be for years to come. You don't hear that ever, ever in big-time quarterback signings. You don't. Because quarterbacks and players are what? Out to get their money. No due disrespect. Absolutely, that's not what I'm here for. It's just the, the bare fundamental, the bare... The bare necessities, as it is, right? Geno Smith is so well-respected in this locker room. You saw the response from Bobby Wagner, Quandre Diggs, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Ken Walker, the list goes on, right? He has the undisputed and undivided love and attention and respect of this organization. And he loves the org- the, the community, how he so humble, so humble. I honestly think... 
He is the most humble quarterback in football. I've been thinking about this. How many quarterbacks are humble, right? I think Joe Burrow is pretty humble. I think, um, oh, goodness gracious. I just had his name off the top of my head. It'll come to me later. But there's quarterbacks in our league that are very thankful for what they have the opportunity to do, right? I think Josh Allen is, is another one that he does a lot of good and he keeps his mindset in the right direction. But the fact that the Seahawks got this done before free agency, yes, they cut Gabe Jackson. Yes, they cut Ben Burkirvin. Uh Sounds like between the two cuttings, they're netting about three-ish million dollars. Uh, it, it, could, it sounds like it could be more, but I know that the cap hit for Gabe Jackson was 4.7 million and they were able to free up 6.5. So you're, you're making some money, freeing up some money. Uh, I saw a post from Shelby Harris a few minutes ago. I don't know for a fact if he's been released, but it sounds like he was on his way out the door. Uh, and Shelby was good for us. And I'm curious to see what becomes of him. And oh, goodness gracious, we have ourselves an explosion here. It is 8-2 Mariners. Brief uh, side note for you guys. Apologies. Uh, yes, Shelby Harris indeed hints at release via cryptic social media posts. Let's see if I can pull this up real quick for you guys. From Shelby Harris on Instagram, from via Michael Sean Dugar of The Athletic. Uh, from seventh round pick, 235, the going in and into 10 years in the league, no matter where I'm at, I'll always be good. Hashtag bless, hashtag 93. And then uh, Shelby Harris responded to somebody on Twitter this morning saying, you better stay with the 12th man. And his response was, not my choice. So Shelby Harris was pretty good for Seattle. He had some plays. He didn't have a whole lot of overly flashy or big time plays, but He's going to help save a lot of money against the cap. You're talking about Brian Monet. Obviously, we talked about Gabe Jackson, Ben Burkirvin. Uh, there's a lot of players that are going to be cap casualties. Um, to try and free up some space because this whole defense of line needs to be completely revamped and get some youth in there. And this is really the opportunity to do so. So, congrats to him. Again, back to Gino. Congrats to Gino. Congrats to John. Okay, and then we're going to wrap up today's podcast very quickly here. Uh, a couple of things and how this will affect the draft. I don't think they're going to draft Anthony Richardson. I don't think they're going to get CCJ Stroud. They know they have to beef up the defensive line. This is going to be such an intriguing draft. I can't wait to watch what happens and how this all fizzles out. Obviously, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Tyree Wilson. I tossed Nolan Smith. I tossed Nolan Smith as well in that conversation just really for the fact that he is a freak of nature who will go quickly. Kraken continue to play well. Five-game winning streak. Uh, they did stay put at the trade deadline. Apologies for the brief, brief touching here. But uh, they have beat the Blues, the Red Wings, the Blue Jackets, the Avalanche, and the final stretch has begun to reach the playoffs, which is obviously the, the goal that we shoot for every single season, regardless of major professional sports, is the playoffs. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be today's podcast, weekly podcast. Uh, the more information I get, the more roster cuts, all that good stuff. I will be bringing that to you guys as I get it. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Again, apologies for the technical difficulties. Uh, my laptop is having some difficulties today, but we made the most of it. We reached right around 30 minutes, and I hope you guys have a fantastic Friday. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening, and uh, I'll, t- I'll, c- I'll catch you guys next week. Peace.